0: Hello everyone, welcome to Culture. I am your host, Leslie the Third. Thank you so much for joining me on this Friday night. Hope you're doing well. Hope you had a nice week. Hope you're ready to enjoy the weekend with me. And I hope you're going to be spending it, as I will be, celebrating the man, the Canadian King of Horror, David Cronenberg, turning, I think, 79 this week. Everybody decided to get very excited about David Cronenberg this week because it was his birthday. I got excited too. I wanted to talk about Cronenberg. Cronenberg, one of my favorite directors of all time. Some of my fa- absolutely some of my favorite films, favorite images ever captured on screen. One of my favorite artists. Period. I'm so excited to talk about. It. And tonight we're going to be focusing on the horror period of Cronenberg. Of our boy. You know, we're going from shivers to, you know, dead ringers. Because he's, he's done a lot. He's done a ton. He has those kind of two halves of his career where he has the horror genre fair. And then he moves into the drama. I want We'll save the drama for later. We'll save the drama for later. We're going to talk horror tonight. I have a killer line of guests. I'm going to have them introduce themselves uh, in order of seniority, which I think is Shannon then Ash, then Forrest, as far as appearances on Struggle Session go. is That is the or, order of uh, Signore. So please introduce yourselves, tell everybody what you're about, and what's your favorite David Cronenberg film.
1: Hey, I'm excited to be on. Um, hey,
0: Shannon, it's been I'm too long. Oh, my.
1: <laughs> it's, all, it's
0: been like a year since we've talked. I'm so sorry.
1: Oh, no, 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 it's fine. Uh, just Whenever y'all want to have me, I'm always happy to come on. It's Um, been too long. uh, Videodrome is the first David Cronenberg film I saw. I got to see a VHS tape projected in like my friend's. Oh my god! They let me in to watch it. Um, That I, that's probably my favorite. That and The Brood. It's hard to choose.
0: Okay. Cool, cool. And Shannon, tell people where they can find you and all your stuff. I and I called you when I was pro on the show, and this is not cap. This is true. You are a modern day equivalent of Brian Oblivion, as far as you know the par- your parasocial, you know, is documentary was very similar to the work that Mister Oblivion was doing in Videodrome. I have to say,
1: maybe it uh, subconsciously influenced me to make that video, those video essays. Oh, um, which is oh,
0: which is, vi- you got Videodrome. You got Videodrome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> also, shout out to the Atlanta uh, video rental place called Videodrome, which is awesome. Um, oh it's like one of my favorite places in the city
0: oh yeah i've seen it i've always wanted to go
1: i would highly recommend it they're they're like super the people who run it are super nice um and it's always fun to go in there yeah i do video essays um on a bunch of different stuff horror theory parasocial relationships um film culture film history you can find me on that's on youtube under strucci movies s-t-r-u-c-c-i you can find me on twitter at plenty of alcoves and I'm also a player on the Teenage Superhero Body Horror Podcast, also appropriate as Body Horror Critical Bits at Critical BitCast. And I'm a host of the Fight Together miniseries on the One Piece podcast, which is very easy to find. I'm doing too much stuff, but I'm <laughs> excited. All of it's really fun to do, and I'm excited to be here to talk
2: about Cronenberg.
0: Awesome. Awesome. All right, Ash, come on.
2: Hey, everybody. How's it going? Uh, my name is Ash. I'm the co-host of a podcast called Horror Vanguard. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cover horror movies with politically left theory thrown in there. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Derovania, where I'm currently live tweeting uh, my watching of the world's longest movie, which clocks in at 857 hours, um, and it has been a wild ride so far. Oh, and, geez, um, I've been watching
0: you do this, and just <laughs> the, I I I didn't know I didn't want to be say anything like rude, but it's just like I could not imagine doing that like ever, and it's just like. That level of dedication, I, I, I'm I'm flabbergasted. Like even thinking about it, like sort of hurts my head. Yeah, uh, because the movie is thirty five days long.
2: Period. Yes. Yeah. Oof. It is, uh, and it's mostly a still shot of a boat, so uh, not <laughs> a lot going on.
0: But uh, but light work compared to watching uh, some Cronenberg. Uh, yeah, obviously. yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I was gonna say like uh, so. So the first Cronenberg I, I saw is, I think one of the first Cronenberg that, that a lot of people encounter, and that's The Fly.
0: Oh um, yeah, you
2: know, like young, hot Jeff Goldblum turning into a giant gooey fly mess is one of the best things I've ever seen on screen.
0: Yeah, hottest Goldblum by far. People are always talking about that scene in Jurassic Park, that little oh, cheesecake yeah. chop he got. Ain't nothing on a uh, fucking brundle fly over there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Absolutely. I think uh, maybe my all-time favorite, though, is uh, he did a short in 2000 just called Camera. And it's like, I've just been watching it on repeat lately. It's just so good.
0: Oh, I have not seen that one. I'm going to have to check that out. You know, Cronenberg has a lot of little stuff. I um, I mentioned that we're going to start with Shivers, but actually has some stuff before that. And I'm sorry to interrupt the intros, but I do want to mention there there's this film called Crimes of the Future, and it's not really a film. It's like an hour long. It's not a full feature. And he is confusing because he's currently making a new movie called Crimes <laughs> of the Future, which is not a remake. It's not going to be the same plot. Um, but it's it's funny. He, he spent like, what, t- 10 years not making a movie? He shot his first movie in America and then like basically retired. And he's finally coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's called Crimes of the Future. But the original Crimes of the Future is on YouTube. If you want to give yourself nightmares without anything explicit, go ahead and watch uh, that one. That's a very, very dark, very dark uh, movie. Maybe, maybe his darkest is like even a little bit darker than Shivers. It's a story about a world where all the adult women in the world die of a virus. I'll just say that again: all the adult women die of a virus, and I'll leave it there. Very dark movie if you want to check it out on YouTube. Nothing explicit, but you know, the implication as always with uh, often with Cronenberg. But as uh, where thank you, uh, and you said you you already said your favorite, so I think it's Forrest Turn the Newbie. How's it going?
3: Hey, <clears throat> um, it's going good. Um, I did my uh, three my three Cronenberg movie watch through yesterday, so um, I know, yeah. <laughs>
0: I saw that you were fucking video drumming yourself. I, I told everyone on the panel that I didn't want them to have to do any research. It was just to be a casual conversation. Because Cronenberg movies can fuck you up. And I didn't want anybody to go up and watch a bunch. But Forrest, you did the work. You did did the work. I, I'm surprised you survived and that you're here and still coherent. So thank you so much for coming on. Tell us where, uh what you're about.
3: All right, well, I host Movie Night Extravaganza, which is a a movie show that uh, we do all kinds of movies, but kind of from a left perspective, but I don't know. We've been kind of moving away from doing the politics of it and mostly focusing on the movies themselves because it's much more interesting, I think. Um, But I want to throw in uh, Scanners as my favorite.
0: Oh, Uh, yes. uh, Uh, Yeah, Scanners is, I think, one that... uh gets on the radio we'll talk about it a bit more but it's it has a close place in my heart because it really feels like a really good x-men movie but also is very like has a lot of horror elements and it has a really big sci-fi world that's all tight and it's in one movie they explain they reveal a big they hint at a big mystery and they solve it in the movie and they resolve the conflict and the movie ends now there are sequels to scanners but the first one i, I really really dig why do you like it so much for us
3: well, one reason is that uh, the guy's name is Cameron in it, and my little brother's name is Cameron. So there's the the scene where um where he kind of confronts his brother, and they're having the whole uh, the whole back and forth, and he's like, "You're my little brother, Cam." And that's my <laughs> little brother. But it's also just I thought it was a really awesome way to pretty much make an X Men movie with I mean number one publicly funded money, but number yes. two uh, like three million dollar budget like that's incredible
0: yeah it's and the the effects are good and that last fight scene my oh it's so good it's one is i think it's one of my favorite scenes in all of cinema i always point out i just think it's absolutely amazing well thank you all Pound, so much for being here and we already have a pa- very patient caller on the line so i'm gonna go ahead we're gonna we're just gonna free flow we're just gonna talk caller hopefully you have a question about Cronenberg, because i usually on culture we Keep it pretty open tonight. I do want to focus on Cronenberg on the horror movies of Cronenberg. So please go ahead, caller, unmute yourself. How's it going, Stephanie? Are you there? You, uh, press the uh, mute. There you go. Is that me? Yes.
4: Yeah. You're I, up. Hi. Uh, I I uh, I'm a Canadian. I'm a Quebecois.
0: Oh thank uh, you so much. Thank you thank you for Cronenberg. We really appreciate it. It's done so much to enrich our lives here down to your uh south.
4: I, I just I, I just want to hear your opinion about Crash which is my favorite movie, uh, my favorite Cronenberg movie and I, I also want to know if you think that uh, Cronenberg and uh um uh, oh, I've I've uh, forgotten. And Carpenter could have Carpenter. done a collaboration. Yeah. yeah. Could have collaborated. I think that they might have, uh, they might have, uh, find, uh uh, 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 something, uh, uh, something that they would be, uh, uh, with. I don't know. I just want to know your opinion of that.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Two awesome questions. Thank you so much. And we'll, we'll, our panel, will go ahead and take this. So first thing, I've, here's here's a funny thing. I've never actually seen Crash. I've never seen Crash yet. But I think about that movie at least once a week. Because I saw the Siskel and Ebert Ebert review of Crash. And when it came out, I was like a kid. I was like 12 or 13 or something. And I just remember them talking about this bizarre movie about people getting off from like car crashes and I was always fascinated by it by the scenes by James Spader's images. Like it, I think about that rev- seeing that review of the movie once a week, even though I've never actually seen the film, it's definitely uh on my list. I've heard so many uh great things about it and obviously it is the superior crash uh, film it's too bad that the uh oh, I haven't seen it
1: either no contest. It's
0: not even
4: a thing. I mean it's not even a- It's
0: not even I mean, but yeah, I just haven't gotten around to watch it. But I think I think about that review that I saw. Like it just burned in my brain. Siskel and Ebert were reviewing that movie, and maybe Dick Tracy and the second Highlander, and how much they hated it. I think are like the three big reviews that always run in my mind. But uh, did anyone of you fans of Crash?
3: I haven't I haven't seen it but um I wanted to plug there's second uh the second question about Carpenter and Cronenberg Oh yes. Yeah. Um there's a Fear on Film is the name of the show uh episode it's like from the 80s or something where it's an interview with um John Landis John Carpenter and David Cronenberg all talking about horror movies together on a panel. And Whoa. I watched it for our fly uh our fly episode that we did yeah, last Yeah. that I, I I never seen it but
4: I heard about that uh, that uh, I've never seen it but yeah it looks like
5: it's on
0: youtube seems... yeah it's right on YouTube in fact Perfect. I got queued up now.
5: and it was uh an excellent film one of my favorite movies it was uh, James Arness as a giant Blood drinking carrot from outer space.
0: <laughs> That's Carpenter. I love Carpenter. He always sounds like he's really angry all the time. Always <laughs> sounds angry and pissed off, and he often is. Uh, but I dig. He makes really, really like. Uh, I love that question. Car. I all, often think of Carpenter and Cronenberg, and I've often and sometimes when I talk on struggle session, I like mix up the names. And in fact, I saw someone on Twitter do it today. They said Cronenberg directed the thing, which is like, you know, you can see how you can make this mistake because these are both. Uh, directors who from the late 70s uh, late 70s to the late 80s just had this monster run of really inventive horror movies that every time they were coming out they were just redefining the genre. Obviously I think they would have probably done some good stuff together. I wish they would have worked a little bit more. Looking at this panel Cronenberg, Carpenter, Landis do you think does anyone think Landis belongs up there? with Carpenter and Cronenberg.
4: No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Landis doesn't deserve no no. Landis yeah. is talented, I think, but he's not in the same uh the same range, in the same uh uh I don't think he he belongs in there. I don't yeah, think. I
3: mean it's just my opinion.
0: Yo, yo, thank you so much for sharing it. Panel, please go ahead.
3: No, he holds his own in that conversation though. I, I, I have to say. like, Oh, that's,
0: that's, like, that's a good, that's, I often see, like, directors I don't like can still, like, talk that shit, I guess, I don't know, maybe it's just, I don't know, he works a little bit, he gives in too much to the studio, or, I don't know, well, he does do, he does focus a bit more on comedy, broad comedies, and whatnot, he wasn't quite doing the same thing, but yeah, but it's nice to hear that he was able to keep his own, even though he's kind of a bad person, <laughs>
1: Oh, kind of. Yeah. The worst. yeah, I love American Werewolf. It's like one of my favorite horror movies. But he's like, he and his yeah. son are both wretched people. They're like the worst.
5: Well,
4: the the thing is, that, uh, Carpenter it has a sense of humor that, I mean, people don't don't really uh, give him credit for. He has a sense of humor in in his uh, in, in his movies. I think. Uh, oh absolutely uh, and you kn- Yeah and I
0: was reading this re- yeah I was reading this great um I was listening to the commentary for I think it was was it Shivers or Rabbit it, that got re released, and Cronenberg talks about the fact that he says all of his movies are co- are comedies in a way. Like all of his movies have some comedic elements, even though it might not be obvious. There is always this level of absurd absurdity and humor uh, going on. And yeah. He says a lot of people doesn't get don't get that from him.
4: The Brood is really funny if you think about it. I mean, yes. The Brood is
3: yeah yeah yeah. Kids are kids are little kids are objectively fucking scary, too, which makes them.
0: <laughs> yeah, so let's talk, let's dive into a movie. And and, and is it Stefan or Stephanie? Stefan. Stefan, so I invited you on. If you want to join the panel, you're welcome to do so. I would love to have a, 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 a Quebecois uh, on here. I would love to have a real Canadian on the panel. Representation matters. So if you want to join in the panel, feel free to do so in panels. <laughs> <laughs> let's just have. Uh, yeah yeah
4: I I I'll I'll stay in there uh, uh until uh, I'm I'm annoying so okay
0: so. yeah so I just invite you to speak so accept that and then we can take another call if anybody calls in but I want to talk about the brood a bit this is one of the cronenberg movies I think about the most um it's one it features i think maybe Maybe the best villain not villain really uh the best what kind of one of the best performances uh what, what's the gentleman Oliver Reed, who uh also uh does an amazing all time performance in the devils um uh, by I think Kim russell uh but he's absolutely stellar in this and like you you just cannot take your eyes off him when he's on the screen and he's just staring through the fucking celluloid his eyes are staring at you he brings so much life and humanity and like vibrancy to this kind of movie that could be like a tampy silly TV movie but he like uh, the acting in it and it just feels very real and I absolutely love the brew this is actually one of my favorite Maybe my top three, Carpenter. And this is one I went in kind of blind just because, excuse me, Cronenberg. I was about to say something.
4: Exactly, exactly.
0: (laughs) My top three, Cronenberg. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely one of my top three. And it's one that I didn't go in expecting to love so much because I I already known The Fly, I already known Videodrome. But then The Brood just snuck up on me.
3: Oliver Reed's also one of those character actors that it seems like he would be – it's interesting to see him play like a psychiatrist right like a like a doctor and someone who presumably has to have some level of intelligence he has that kind of um that classic uh character actor like uh heavy look to him i think
0: yeah, yeah he's a, a beefy, beefy boy
3: and <laughs> an early character actor before
4: like he was that guy you know uh he, he became that guy afterwards
0: And Ash, what did you think of The Brood?
2: Oh, I love The Brood. The Brood is, is uh, there's a lot of things that Cronenberg does. Like, like you've got you the weird sex stuff, the weird body horror stuff, the kind of, his, his very critical interest in kind of psychology and psychotherapy at, at large. And like, I think some of the best Cronenberg movies have the characters kind of, passing on the, the the kind of horrific trauma to new generations. So like when Candace has those little uh, marks on her arm at the end and you see the kind of the, the, the psychic evil of the brood is just going to keep going. Oh, yeah. Does, does that like, you know, like the, the you know, like the, the traditions of dead generations hang on the mind of the living like a nightmare kind of thing going on in Cronenberg. It's just so fantastically creepy. Um. Shen, I
1: know
0: you dig the brood.
1: I love the brood. I, for me personally, the idea of pregnancy is revolting and like horrific, and it always has. Been. <laughs> so this movie kind of encapsulates how I feel about that as someone who like could get pregnant. Um, I was in a film a, a film class, and my professor showed the clip with the external womb where she like bites it open and is like licking on it, and I was like that. That always re- like whenever I think about getting pregnant or like babies, I think about this movie. Um, and like far as I mean this was a couple of years ago, like before the pandemic, but I. Went and saw the brood in a theater in Atlanta. Then I came home with my friends and watched Videodrome The Fly and Scanners in one night and completely fried my brain and it was really fun. But I'm really happy I got to see the full thing in theaters. It was awesome. I I I, like I said I love the brood. Um the parts the sort of like funny, campy elements of all the little tiny people attacking people with the genuine horror of like your body changing against your will. And like Ashley was talking about like the generational kind Of horror, it's just awesome. I love that movie.
0: Yeah, I pulled up the clip. Let me see if I can get the speech going. Oh, god! <laughs> oh, I just see. oh, it's just the licking. Sorry,
1: oh, it's the ASMR for licking you. the <laughs> Oh, god, no,
5: no, I disgust you. I just- Sick you you hate me
3: <laughs> <laughs> the fucking creepy kid jumping of, in. you think of like the image of like Chronos eating his children in like Greek mythology you know what I mean like there's that yeah same... yeah oh, yeah
1: Saturn devouring his son vibes
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right and if we any more callers want to come in please feel free to do so just hit us up on the line on the call-in app if you want to ask us about you you want to tell us your favorite Cronenberg movie? What do you think about
4: yeah. the Brood? wanna uh, anything uh, I'm, else? Gonna leave to, I'm gonna leave to uh, let uh, space for uh, other people. I just want to say that uh, before I leave, that uh, um, the Brood was shot in Montreal, uh, uh, in ille uh a place that I know because <laughs> cause, uh, <laughs> I had a. a, a your girlfriend. And uh, it was really weird to see like uh, LDSR in the 70s. Uh, it was really fucking weird. But uh, thank you for uh, letting me shock uh... you.
0: Oh, of course. Thank you so much for coming out. Sorry, sorry. I, I was trying to just cue it up. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for uh, that wonderful call, uh, Stefan. Please don't be a stranger. Call back in the culture anytime. So I was well, actually because. Oh, go ahead.
4: No, no, because uh, I just learned about Colin, so I, I, I just did it right now. So I thank you very much, Leslie. All
0: right, thank you. All right. So the reason I was pulling up Shivers because you you mentioned the uh, location, and Shivers uh, takes place entirely in this apartment building. I think in uh, in Montreal. Uh, on this, like, I think it's on the island and it was like a real apartment building and the cast and crew lived there for like 15 days. But I just can't imagine moving into that luxury apartment after seeing Shivers and all the fucked up shit that goes down. <laughs> what do y'all yeah. think about uh, Shivers?
1: I like it. It's not my like top three. I enjoyed it when I watched it, especially considering it's so early in his career.
0: Yeah, his first feature film, nineteen seventy-five, paid in part, yes, by the Canadian government. It's a story about a parasite that t- turns people into um, sex-crazed zombies who attack and assault anyone they see in order to spread this, you know, uh, this parasite to others and infects this entire like hip downtown yuppie ish uh, apartment building and it's just a slow burn of just all these fucked up things happening to these different uh, tenants. And then it just becomes this huge, huge, massive, massive bloodbath. It's a very, a very early Cronenberg, uh, but I really, really like it. It's just so raw and weird and oh, and you don't know what's going on very early. It takes a while for it to all come together. I actually think Cronenberg is an underrated, uh, Storyteller. The way he tells the stories are very unique. He always sets up these, you know, very weird, bizarre mysteries, but they always have fairly satisfying conclusions.
3: Feels like a lot of uh, horror directors have kind of done the same thing, um, like since then. You know what I mean? Like these very um, simplistic, like kind of stories that that circulate around these mysteries and these relationships, um, and then kind of end up with like you know the horror in the last. Uh, or at least, you know, um, horror kind of uh, escalating throughout it and then ending in these huge finales. Like, it seems like that's a a formula that really works. Yeah, this,
2: so I really
3: love uh, Shivers for, like,
2: there's kind of this pocket of movies. There's a lot of, like, Romero films that are like this for this kind of absolute grotesque terror besets this, like, enclave of the wealthy. And it's this this slow-burn until we realize that the the thing is rotten to the core, right? Like the 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 heart of the tower, as it were. You know, the Starliner towers is like fully decayed. And and yeah, like like Leslie, like you said, I just I just I'm so in love with the fact that the the, the Canadian Film Development Corporation footed the bill for this, and then like hated hated uh, I almost said Carpenter hated Cronenberg yeah. for for making this kind of like the, a lot of people uh, derided this movie as like a snuff film and a porno and but it made them like just a truckload of money and launched one of Canada's most financially and critically successful film artists
0: yeah Cronenberg is still bitter about it because he feels like the controversy held his career back a couple of years where he couldn't get anything uh, made so he's kind of pissed off he's still kind of pissed off about it doesn't know I think there's one thing Cronenberg and Carpenter have in common they're still pretty pissed off by, by their career even though it's like legendary and successful they're like well what fucking good does it do me now that you like that everyone likes all my movies now
2: yeah and they've, they've both made movies too that are kind of about like or at least have like central plot elements about their like difficulty and struggle with like working working around the film industry
0: all right so we have another caller on the line
2: so, A, how's it going? Feel, go ahead and
0: unmute yourself. Ask us anything you want about Cronenberg.
5: Hi, um, Leslie. I've been uh, listening to you for a while uh, on different shows that you're at, and I really, really respect your your um, your takes. I don't always agree with them, but they're they're so thought provoking, and this is this is uh, great.
0: Uh, oh, thank, thank you, you so much.
5: Um, no, no, thank you. Um, so. Um, I, I think about Cronin, but so I, okay, so this is going to be a little bit of a weird take because I don't always like the movies, but I see the artistry and I see sort of what he's doing for, uh, the horror genre in a way that I see a certain way in which one of my favorite directors working today is a kind of an inheritor or a kind of a descendant of Kornenberg, uh which is Ari Aster. And I was just, I want, I was wondering what, what everybody on the panel, but especially also Leslie, because uh, you always have these, these uh, out of the left field kind of takes on, on, on sort of contemporary art. And uh, I'm wondering what you think about Ari Aster um, and, and sort of the ways in which he builds on, for me, he builds a lot on Cronenberg's filmography stylistically. And I'm wondering what, what what your sort of sense of that is. So I know this is not exactly about Cronenberg, but I was wondering if you could sort of talk more about sort of the the mechanics of, of filmmaking and sort of the ways in which they're pushing the genre forward. Um, another aspect of this is of course, and I'm gonna shut up after this, um, uh, is is that I think Ari Aster is in many ways speaking to speaking in the language of horror, but speaking to something about this this sort of the age of basically <laughs> mass extinction uh, or, or or sort of climate change. Or and so like I see movies such as Hereditary and and, and Midsummer as intense um, and and often sort of fairly robust um commentaries on sort of what does it mean to sort of consider life uh after death almost right after sort of in the midst of species death and I see Midsummer very much about that um how does one contemplate spring uh celebrating spring uh in the midst of so much death so like the the, the worst thing possible happened in the first five minutes <laughs> of that uh, of that film and I see sort of echoes of uh, sort of shiver and and, 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 and it's sort of a lot of Cronenberg in that Cronenberg so sort of setting the stage for that. anyway, I, yeah, I, I guess these are these are a bit rambling, but
0: yeah. Oh not not at all. and thank you so much for that wonderful question. So I actually have to admit, I do not, I know Shannon will be able to dive into this question, but I can't because I personally, do not have any. I haven't formed a really strong opinion about Ari Aster yet. I really have not. I based on, on Midsummer on on um, Hereditary. I think Hereditary is great, fabulous, one of the best recent horror movies. Period. But Midsummer, I was, thought was kind of okay. So I'm waiting to see what comes next from Ari Aster before I make you know before I start making comparisons. I don't immediately see a Cronenberg connection other than like. They're both do they both do you know family dramas at, at certain times and these are you know serious movies that still have hot you know horror elements. Of course, Cronenberg goes more in the leaning science towards like science horror if that's a word. Like not necessarily super supernatural. While in um, Hereditary, you just have you have like a demon, you know, which you don't really get in any Cronenberg. Uh, movies but I'm happy to hear more from the panel who who I'm sure know a bit more about Ari Aster than I do
1: I think Aster uh, I think what makes them similar is they take their own fixations and like traumas and weird stuff they experienced in their childhoods and puts them they put them in the movies that they make Oh yeah. Um, I think Ari Ari Aster has not specified but I think he had something very like some kind of really traumatic incident like family death uh, that influence Hereditary, and then some bad breakup, uh, breakup for Midsommar. I also didn't like Midsommar that much. But I wanted to mention, because a talked our caller talked about um, sort of like human extinction, or like that idea being present. And I had to mention um, It Comes at Night, which is directed by Trey Edward Schultz. And one of the big influences for him on that movie was the act of killing which i thought was so interesting like in the most respectful way possible that he took like a movie okay. about genocide and made a horror movie that was influenced by it that might be more along those lines if you're talking about like human extinction to me i think that's an interesting movie to talk about but that be-
2: yeah the yeah the act of killing that was like one of the most powerful movies i've seen in a in a good long while and it's definitely like Hey, I, I, now that you mentioned, I didn't know that before, but you can see the tissue between that and it comes at night. Sorry, that just like really jumped out to me. Oh
1: yeah, I never would have put um, it together but myself, but that's like, oh, that's really interesting that he took this horrific documentary and made like a horror movie inspired by it.
2: Yeah, that is, I mean, it's, it's pretty natural once you see the act of killing to make that, to make the jump, but yeah, wild. Um, but, but like, I too wouldn't have thought of like a lot of connective tissue between Ariaster and Cronenberg like this, there's, there's, there's some focalization of gore that, that bodily gore that could be interesting. But one, one thing that I kind of just thought of was that like Cronenberg always kind of talks about himself as like a filmmaker of the human body, right? Like he, he loves exploring bodily experiences, right? And the body can be beautiful, right? Like, you know, lovers having sex, classic beauty, whatever but it can also be the site of like treachery and decay and kind of putrid ooze right there, there's a lot of multitudes that bodies contain and and yeah I also a lot of mixed feelings about midsummer um you know just putting that out there but i think i think a lot about that scene where florence Pugh's character danny is like heaving and crying with all those other people and kind of like that bodily experience that they're all sharing right the kind of physical oh yeah that, that, that that's that
0: got some Cronenberg. Like yeah. that's got some Cronenberg, definitely hey did you have something else to say
5: yeah yeah i i was just uh, exactly what ashley i was saying I, I think the way in which um there's a sense in which something that is perhaps gory and 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 some some part of the the viscera the sort of the visceral experience the of being human, of 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 actually inhabiting a body, uh, can become both sort of revolting, but also beautiful. And I, I love Midsummer, and precisely because he, there's a way in which Ari Aster shoots and sets those those the the scenes, the even even the scene where sort of the old people are sort of, um, uh, the the elders of the community are literally sacrificing themselves. <laughs> uh for to reproduce uh or to rebirth a new um sort of a new cycle right a, a new summering um, a new spring of sorts uh for that community and it's 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 so revolting that scene just the way he shoots it and yet there's some kind of a, he finds some beauty in those shots and that's that's how like so i was thinking more in terms of uh, stylistically i think um uh, uh Cronenberg uses bodies in exactly the same way, right? He brings out sort of the the, the sublime uh, is not tra- it's or rather the sublime is not transcendent, but actually it is it is sublimated. Uh, it's not some kind of a divine ecological whole that becomes m- midsummer. It becomes actually it's it's made out of the remains of human viscera of human. Uh, human excreta and sort of and I think that kind of um, that kind of a theme is is something that I sort of uh, see a genealogy and but uh, thank you so much for speaking to that
1: I have to mention Hannibal then <laughs> which has like dead ringers references and stuff that's the to oh the, yeah the, the ultimate modern uh, representation of that from the past like 10 15 years of that.
0: all right so let's talk yeah let's talk a little bit about dead ringers this is another late one for me uh absolutely and this is you know one that's like half horror half you know the other stuff that Cronenberg gets into kind of like a transitional work not a little bit slower of a burn less grotesque of you know events but still quite a chilling uh movie
1: I haven't seen it in a long time I did I probably saw it in like 2010 or something or yeah. 2012, but I did really enjoy it. It was one of the first Cronenberg films I saw.
0: Yeah, Jeremy Irons playing Beverly and Elliot uh, Mantle. Uh, also, another show I think inspired by this Nip Tuck. I think Nip Tuck <laughs> was very inspired by the <laughs> by Dead Ringers. i even like their costumes in Nip Tuck, like their surgical uniforms in their office. It's not like a real surgical. You is like the one from Dead Ringers, which is very stylized and. Horror, and horror like a horror like a nightmare like almost like um, fucking hellraiser sort of like clinic and the and all the tools for the mutant women i love this movie it's so fucking uh weird but also like very emotional and kind of sad too like you feel very sorry for all these characters who are caught up in this manic you know sensual frenzy that cannot possibly have a good ending And Stephanie, did you want? uh, Did you have something else, Dad? Stephon, go ahead. Um, Oh, let me take you. back. Stephon, go ahead. Oh, he's kicking them out. But if anybody else wants, Ash, what did you think of Dead Ringers?
2: I love Dead Ringers. It's so weird. Um, I, I love. I love, like, um, you know, like, like this I feel is like Cronenberg's, like, almost like his transition film uh, to get to a dangerous method, and there's, there's so, it's so, there's so much interesting stuff going on at Dead Rangers, I think it's, like, so underrated in his filmography, but, like, just, just, like, the, the weird gender stuff, right, we've got Elliot and Beverly, who uh, Jeremy Irons is playing as these twins, and they have these kind of, like, you know, those are, like, you know, roughly gender-neutral names, and then you have, like, so the, this uh, uh, kind of writer, uh, Eve Kosofsky Sedgwick, uh, kind of piloted this idea called the homosocial triangle. And it's, uh, uh, you know, like in, in movies and literature, when two men uh, really have a conflict with each other, they've got like some deep emotional connections with each other that they can't resolve. Because of patriarchal, you know, like demands on male activity, that, that desire is sublimated through women. And this is like the best movie for exploring. The, the kind of horror that comes from those issues. And I, I don't know, I could think about Dead Rangers forever. It's just such a w- wonderfully weird look. Little-
0: yes, yeah, starring Genevieve Bu- Bujold. Absolutely amazing in this, but most people, I think, know her for being the original Captain Janeway who got fired after uh, one day on set. Sadly, unfortunately, she's a great actress, as you see uh, in this film. And Forrest, have, have, where do you think about Dead Ringers?
3: I haven't, I haven't seen Dead Ringers, but um, looking at this for a second, I guess uh, the costumes were designed in Dead Ringers and The Fly by Cronenberg's uh, sister. And I just yes. Interesting. Looking that up, and
0: yeah, yeah. In fact, she designed all all the costumes until uh, until and she, but she until she uh, passed in uh, twenty twenty. So th- his next movie will actually be the first that she hasn't uh, designed since uh, this era.
3: Damn. Well, I, I mean, I think the costumes looking at like the Google images of it are really beautiful for this. Um, and I have to watch it now that I know that it's on Criterion channel. Oh, <laughs> hell
0: yeah. But let's talk about one you did watch. You want, you said you, which ones did you say you watched today?
3: Yeah. Um, well, I watched, I watched scanners. I watched the brood and I watched Videodrome yesterday. And then All I right. Fly twice last week because we did a two and a half hour deep dive into it. All right,
0: perfect. Let's get into the motherfucking Fly. Who, which, you know, a lot of people think is, might be Cronenberry's masterpiece. I think The Fly is a perfect movie. Uh, I think I said this on our Struggle Session episode uh, with a crossover with Horror Vanguard, which you all should check out. But that movie is, is just so good. Boom, Davis, so much chemistry. Two of the hottest people that ever lived uh, at their absolute hottest moment so much chemistry real life relationship going on forming on the movie and it's yes it's horror yes it's creepy yes it has amazing effects but it also just has a really really great romance one of my favorite on-screen romances by far uh in this movie and i just love it so much and that first half is just as good as the last half where you get the monster
3: stuff and uh, Goldblum really, like, leans into it. And he's, and it's funny because he is at his hottest, I think, at that point. And, you know, he gets more and more grotesque. And I feel like, you know, a lot of actors turn down that role because they're like, I can't do anything through these prosthetics. Like, it's too much. I want to be seen. I want to use my, like, body and my face. And, like, that's kind of where I shine. And Goldblum was the only one that was down to be like, no, hell yeah, I'll cover myself with all of these prosthetics and get more and more, like, hideous throughout this movie. Fuck yeah, I'll do that
0: and it worked and you like he his performance does not suffer uh even in the end like you fucking get it like he fucking absolutely kills it one of my favorite films
3: um another another global thing i think is uh you know he's in he's in a, a smaller role in the invasion of the body snatchers and um after watching um the brood yesterday the same the same actor that played uh the main the main character in the brood is um is, like, the boyfriend in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And he has that, like, classic, kind of almost villainous face. Um, and it's interesting that he got to play uh, the hero in The Brood.
0: Yeah. You know, Philip, called, uh, you know, The Brood, I, I mean, not, uh, the Invasion of the Body Snatchers, that's a movie that you might confuse for a Cronenberg movie in some ways. It has a very yeah. similar vibe. Yeah,
3: I no, 100%. And
0: Shannon, I think you were going to say something?
1: Um... I love the fly, and I am not a squeamish person. I have a really strong stomach, but it is one of the few movies where I got like really—I gross- did get legitimately grossed out, like when his fingers are messing it, like when his fingernails are coming off or whatever, and there's like the white stuff. I was like, "Oh my god!" It's, like very g- great prosthetics and special effects, it, like made me sick to my stomach. Which again, very, very—you know—even in real life, I'm not squeamish, but I was like, "Oh, what?"
0: Yeah, oh, that's. My god. That, that, that has creeped me out when this movie came out 1986 probably since i was like five i remember seeing the fly oh, i think wow. the fly was my first cronenberg <laughs> and i have never forgotten that fingernail See, i'm actually glad i called it early i'm like desensitized to it by now because i've seen it so many goddamn yeah. times but yeah that that haunted me yeah
2: this, I, I also saw this when I was a kid, and and there's a scene in this where he's like, uh, when he's turning into the brundlefly, he's like vomiting digestive enzymes onto like, I think they're like the, the little the little white powdered donuts you can like get at a gas station, oh, yeah. or something like that. And to this day, every time I see those donuts, I think about the brundlefly vomiting <laughs> digestive enzymes. And like like th- this this is one of those movies where like like just that one scene is going to be lodged in my brain until I'm dust.
0: Yeah, it, it's kind of fucked up that Cronenberg like, made Videodrome and then Videodromed all of us. Uh, it's really, really fucked up. But uh, yeah. Jamal, yeah, he knows what he's doing. He knows, he made a movie about it, for God's sakes. All right, he made two, Existence as well. It's the same thing. All right, but uh, we have another caller on the line. Jamal, thank you so much. Go ahead and unmute yourself whenever you're ready. Hit us up with your Cronenberg thoughts.
6: Cronenberg. Oh crap! I got a little uh, sidetracked. I've been uh, screaming disagreement with you about um, Bouchold and uh, Kate Mulgrew, Kate, and the uh, Voyager uh, casting decision for the past five minutes. Um,
0: Oh no, I'm not saying they would. No, it was the it was the right decision. It's just that she was also a great actress. Besides that, but she just uh, didn't fit there.
6: Yeah, yeah, she was. She is amazing, but it takes a really special um. I'm sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to totally hijack the show, and you already did a Star Trek episode. Yeah. Um, so, David Cronenberg is uh, someone who I can't rip on for 10 or 20 minutes on the slightest of pretexts. Um, I've tried Chrome it seemed alright, but mostly all I know about him is that he's someone who's not trying to... Uh, Got a Marvel movie some of his own artistic vision, but I don't know how to uh, sort of work my way in there.
0: Well, what first well, <laughs> oh, great! First of all, great question, and this is actually a perfect transition because I want to talk a little bit about David Cronenberg's acting, and, of course, his latest role is in the Star Trek show. So you thought you were off topic, but you were right on topic. But uh, as far as starting with Cronenberg, I actually came to this conclusion do it in release order. Start with Shivers and go from there because I think there he has a very clear like evolution as a director and you see it in each of his movies and for, and those first, you know, 10 movies are just absolutely completely unmissable regardless. Uh I think maybe what what's the one about the racing? You can maybe skip the one about like the racing, I think. But watch all his horror movies starting with Shivers and just go from there. I think Cronenberg is something you watch in order. Even the dramas, even something like uh, even the trilogy of, what was it, History of Violence, Eastern Promises, and I think one other film, you want to watch those in order as well. He's a release order guy.
6: Okay, so for uh, – so um, not not exactly uh, the Coen Brothers, where um, you can just watch the Big Lebowski in between every uh, other film –
0: yeah yeah it's not it's not like that you want you want you want to see your Cronenberg in order if the, the, the or does the panel have a different suggestion please feel free if there's a specific one you think people should start with
1: i don't know i would well, have I, said video drone just like go full force but i think any of his like well no it's also like it may i don't know i'm a sicko i love body horror i have my whole life I know people who would just would not like his who could appreciate the artistry but just be too repulsed by it. That might just be the case.
0: Yeah. But he actually strangely enough probably get in some ways gets less repulsive over time. So if you can handle shivers, you're probably gonna be able to handle (laughs) like dead ringers. Yes. So like yeah, if you can start off with shivers and you get through that, you're probably gonna be fine.
6: (laughs) I um I worry more about not reacting much at all i once got a uh, job specifically because um somebody thought i'm not the kind of person who uh, will react to lots of blood
0: oh well i think well i think i think crony will get you a few times he he, he gives most everyone uh with with his horror but uh, Jamal, thank you so much for your call. R- very much appreciate it. Do not be a stranger. You thought you were taking so off topic. You were not, because, panel, I do want to ask you uh, quickly about Cronenberg's acting roles. Because, actually, I, I may have misspoken. My first time encountering Cronenberg, it might have been The Fly, but it might have been him in Nightbreed. As the mad psychiatrist and that creepy fucking mask because my brother was big into Clive Barker and would always rent any Clive Barker stuff. And, like, he watched Nightbreed and I watched Nightbreed over and over again. And he was just so fucking creepy in it and didn't realize two years later, oh, that was David Cronenberg, the director I also liked.
2: I haven't seen I Nightbreed, Night- but I want to watch it now. <laughs> I, I love Nightbreed. It's it's you know like King Clive Barker can't miss. And Nightbreed is just one of the best. And I also didn't know that that was Cronenberg until like years and years and years down the road. And like you, I I don't know. I just get this sense that like you know like when I was watching, I was like, oh, that guy playing the evil doctor killer, he's just good at being creepy. And then it turns out he's actually really good at being creepy.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was shocked when I figured out then, it was like, oh, it makes sense, and he actually has, like, a very long IMDB as a actor, he's like a regular character in the Star Trek series, he was in Slasher, Alias Grace, he just, he just likes, seems to really, really enjoy uh, acting, and I think he's quite good at it, for the most part.
3: you're asking for his uh, acting credit on, on IMDb, they're like best known for, and it's The Fly. Um, I guess he's in the back. He's he's one of the gynecologists in the uh, dream sequence in the Fly. Oh yeah, the in the yeah. Or this like, it makes a lot of sense actually. I didn't know that that was him, but yeah, it is.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. So we have not yet. Well, Jamal, thank you so much for calling in. Let me get. Uh, if, let me. Um at see if stefan wants to say anything else but i want we haven't talked about videodrome and we're we're almost done with our show but we gotta talk about drone. gotta talk about the drone for real for real for real we, can't do a cr- uh, crony show uh, without talking talk
4: about, about vi- it. we gotta talk about videodrome but i gotta say that uh existence is awesome and i don't care what you say <laughs> oh i like existence. i like
0: existence you know what i watched existence in a hotel room in Tennessee over and over again, because I think it was on the pay-per-view channel, but, like, it, w- it would just play all the time. I mean, it was on Showtime. And it would just play all the time. Very weird movie. Uh, aesthetically, I didn't like it. It looked, it looked a little bit cheap, I remember, at the time, but it was a cool-ass movie. Yeah, like, it was very weird, and it sucked. it sucked me in. Like, at first it was on, I was like, ah, I want to watch this, but then the next time I see it, I'm like, okay, this looks pretty cool. I'm going to really get into this one.
4: But uh, you got to talk about video drone. So I'll let you talk about video drone. I just want to uh, uh, give my, uh, my, uh, uh, my, uh, uh,
0: whatever. Uh, Defense of video drone oh, existence. Yeah. yeah oh, exactly. yeah. We're, we're pro existence here. We're pro existence. We're gamers. We're gamers. Of course, we like existence.
4: <laughs> so let's go about video drone.
0: All right, so panel, a moment up to you in our last few minutes. Let's talk. Go ahead. Talk about video drone.
3: I mean, it's kind of it's kind of crazy to think about a time when, uh, you know, television kind of felt like a lot of stuff was up in the air, and like the idea that you could be desensitized to violence over time, and the idea that you could be desensitized to like you know this overstimulation and sex and all of these things, like it's kind of nuts to think about now in like the streaming era, right? Where like, not only have we reached a period where um, there are really no ratings that really matter anymore in, in terms of, um, because I was watching that, I was watching the Cronenberg interview. He's talking about how in Canada in uh, I think Ontario, if you uh, got censored by the film board and put in your, your film and they didn't like it and they had to cut parts out of it. um, And you tried playing it somewhere else. Like you had a second copy, you could get thrown in jail for two years. So it's kind of uh, nuts to have gone from that to like, you know um netflix or I mean, like just whatever streaming service like there is no real ratings right like they don't stop movies based on that anymore and yeah netflix has
0: nymphomaniac the uncensored like cut on it like day one
3: so those those questions netflix uh,
4: Netflix has has uh uh, quebecois french movies uh a couple of them Uh, a couple good of them uh just saying that you know, because uh, uh, if they didn't, they couldn't have the uh, the, the they couldn't have the the, the tax write off if uh, if they didn't give um, if they, they give uh, a couple of uh, uh, French Canadian things and uh, Canadian things. Oh, I dig it!
0: I like that! I like that! Look at you! You're extorting Netflix in order to give us good movies. I love it. I love it. Montreal is oh, one of my harsh. favorite cities. Not not the go not that I used to visit Montreal all the time. I would go up and see a um, pro wrestling uh, film fatale show by Lufisto. I would go up in Montreal, big wrestling city. I would go up there all the time. I hope I get up there post pandemic uh, sometime. But we're gonna keep on rocking and rolling. uh or uh, Shannon, go ahead. Tell me what you think about video drums
1: i love videodrome and i love the visuals in it i think out of any movie i've seen it's got to be in like top five most memorable and like striking visuals like the the grotesque uh um, thing in his stomach that the guy puts the tape in and then like the face coming out of the tv like it's just the awesome visual effects awesome ideas just like again coming from a time before the internet well, where all this stuff was still taboo and was still hard to access and kornenberg trying to watch like porn channels late at night when he was a kid like sorting through and like listening to weird stuff and the static uh, inspiring this movie I think it's awesome it's it's really cool and there are other movies that try to be like edgy with with sexuality or, or, or like try to approach these topics and it comes off as kind of lame but I think videodrome is legitimate and still freaky and no yeah, thing. it,
0: it no, legitimately feels a little. Later. Yeah, but, it feels a little bit dangerous. Those scenes. Yes. I. And it's hard. I was, it's hard. Yeah, and, and it's hard to convey to people. I don't know younger people who don't who didn't don't know what like a satellite is for a TV. You know what it meant. where it's like you, you know, you could just people you didn't know like what channel you might get or what you what you might see mm-hmm. and the kind of freedom that have now we ha- of course we have the internet and we have all this and it's just fucking boring i can't believe we actually made videodrome and it just bores us for the most part it's so shocking to me it seems so, it used yeah. to seem so exciting this prospect of seeing channels from all over the world things that they didn't want you to see and now we have it and it's just like hey it mostly sucks <laughs> And Ash, what do you think about video drone?
4: We we, oh, we, yeah, used uh, yeah. a, we used to have a we used have a a channel a, a cable channel which would give us a a fucking a, from uh, eleven thirty to three hours in the morning. They used to give us a fucking weird-ass movies, like, uh, uh, there there was the, uh, there was the, uh, 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 the uh, uh, centerfold girls, uh, fucking, fucking weird movies, like, uh, a killer that, that, that used to kill centerfold girls, like, we used to have this, I, I think, I don't. Know. I'm, I'm sorry. I, it's just. Yeah, so you, we
0: used to have it. Used to have those midnight movies and shit. Like, yeah. i have been looking for a streaming service that has. I feel like Shudder is c- almost kind of capturing that feeling, that vibe. It's be but the yeah. only
1: one. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to. Re-
0: we
4: used to have some fucking weird shit at like from eleven thirty to three hours in the morning. I mean, we used to. So you know, that we don't have that anymore. We don't. Have it the, is
0: weird. It is weird that like another thing about video drum. It, it was late night, right? Like it was late exactly. at night. You only. You only. That's exactly. I think that's what you're getting at. That there was a feeling of actually getting. You know, certain things being broadcast at certain times that gave them a certain feel, a certain tone, invoked a certain mood uh, about it. So when you get your midnight movies in the in the broad daylight or your equivalent of video drone you can watch while you're like waiting in line at McDonald's on your phone. It just has a different impact than exactly. when you actually have to sit down and watch it. Even like uh, something like like professional wrestling, like ECW was the edgier professional wrestling show. And yes. it came on at midnight yeah. and I felt completely different watching it than I did watching the mainstream stuff. And Ash, I'm going to go ahead and let you give your thoughts on video drone, and then we'll close it out. But thank you uh, so much oh, uh, yeah. for our callers. Uh, and our panelists really, really appreciate it.
4: Goodbye. Yeah. Goodbye. I just, uh okay. uh, okay. Goodbye. Goodbye friends.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much.
2: <laughs> I think one of the interesting things I think we're all touching on with the video is like a relationship to televisual technological infrastructure, right? Like the idea that you could like kind of put, put on, I used to do this to watch the next season of Dragon Ball Z before it was dubbed into English. I, I would find, like, one of those, like, you know, like, you know, a Channel 98 or whatever at 3 a.m. would, would for some reason, air Japanese programming before it would oh, get yeah. the to network or whatever. Um, and I think, like, that that's a relationship that we've all had to, like, a technological infrastructure, and I think this is one of, like, the hidden themes in Cronenberg's work, right? <laughs> you've got, like, a Videodrome and Existenz, which is about, like, gaming and televisual media, and then you've got, like... The Brood, and um, oh my god, what is the other one? Um, Dead Ringers, and a couple others that are about like medical infrastructure and medical technology.
0: Scanners, the. um, Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I I, I read the interesting thing that Cronenberg said, um, and is that, you know, his. And getting into this theme, the theme that he's trying to get across is that technology is not separate from us it comes Mm -hmm. from us it's a part of us and that's why he puts you know technology in our bodies or has technology alter our bodies and in these ways he doesn't view it as a separate thing he thinks uh writers and critics make a mistake make a mistake by doing that
2: oh yeah absolutely and i think like this this also like extends into how we kind of like think about this stuff right because it was like those hidden corners with that media that you're not going to find on like Amazon Prime or Netflix, like, those are still out there. Like, you can still find like, weird movies, grotesque movies, movies that are pushing boundaries, movies that no one has heard of. Um, You just have to like, you have to dig on places like, you know, like YouTube and Vimeo and like, like these new, the kind of the new equivalent of the staticky channel at 3am is like the gutter of the social media spheres. (laughs)
0: all right well we're gonna to have to end our discussion there everyone thank you so much this was so wonderful we will do all of this again we got much more Cronenberg to talk about in the future but uh, again in reverse order of seniority why don't you go ahead and plug yourself tell people where you can find you forrest ash and then shannon
3: cool because i gotta hop off my show just went live um without me <laughs> um all right well i'm uh Forrest Miller. I'm on uh you know Movie Night Extravaganza is my show. Um we're about to cover well I guess we're doing it right now. We're covering uh one flew over the cuckoo's nest. So I gotta go do that. Oh but, check um,
0: it everyone, please hit hit up that channel. That's twitch.tv slash
3: movie night extravaganza. But uh thanks so much for having me on.
0: All right, thank you so much. Everybody hit up that YouTube uh the Twitch channel now. And Ash, where can people find Horror Vanguard?
2: Uh, You can find Horror Vanguard wherever uh, good podcasts are streamed and distributed. We're on Twitter at Horror Vanguard, and if you want to find me, I'm on Twitter at DarrowVaney.
0: All right, and Shannon?
2: You can find
1: me on Twitter at Plenty of Alcos, and all the other stuff I do is in my bio.
0: All right, folks, that was Culture. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Peace.